Okay, going to learn a letter that the Rebbe sent in 1973, on the 6th of Tishrei. Yes, a letter that was sent to all, all the Jewish people. And it has similarity um, to the Sabbath this year. Um, this year is also a year of Hebrew uh, year, a leap year, two others. There we go. Let's go, right? Let's go right to it. Baruch Hashem, Above Tishrei, Pashtun on Gimel, Brooklyn, New York. Baruch Hashem, the 6th of Tishrei, 1973, sent from Brooklyn, New York. To the sons and daughters of Israel in every place. Hashem Aleyim Yichu. God bless you all. Shalom Bracha. Greetings and blessings. Morning, Chaim Peretz. Thank you very much. Hey, morning, Daniel. We missed you, Rosh Hashanah. Oh, I didn't know you were feeling better. So, those who just, uh, listeners who just tuned in, we're learning a letter about the um, unique um, meaning of this year. This year, Shoshana falls out on Shabbos, and there's a um, letter that was sent in 1973 about the subject, and this letter is a continuation on the same subject. I want to also focus on another point about how this year is different, and that is this year Rosh Hashanah is different than other Rosh Hashanahs because Rosh Hashanah of this year is the beginning of a Shemitah year. It's the beginning of the year where Nisrael did not allow to work. Now, this is not the case this year. This year is not the year of Shemitah. But the um, Rebbe said that you can learn a lesson from every single year for all years. In sync to what we mentioned in the previous letter, that Shoshana is the head of, all, of the whole year. So, this idea that Shoshana falls out on Shabbos. And our Shoshana is the first day of the Shemitah year. This has to be expressed in all days of the year, even in those days which are not connect, connected to agriculture. Even those days that are not associated with agriculture, since Rosh Hashanah is beginning of, is ahead of the entire year, there must be something about Rosh Hashanah that has connection, has connection to every single day of the year. Shnasa Shemitah Hashanah. The year of Shemitah is as it's known, is the Shabbos of the seven-year cycle. Just like Shabbos is a day of rest in the days of the week, so too the Shemitah year is the year of rest. The distinction is only that on Shabbos, all work is forbidden, and in the Shemitah year, only agricultural work is forbidden. As the Torah says, the earth shall rest, 
your field you shall not plant, your vineyard you shall not prune. That's the unique distinction of the year of Shemitah. You're not allowed to work on the land. Although in many aspects there is a similar message from the seventh day and the seventh year, however, there is a distinction between the primary primary um, ideas that are emphasized in the Shemitah year and the day of Shabbos, respectively. Shabbos emphasizes how Hashem is the creator of the world. That Hashem created the world in six days and He rested in the seventh. The year of Shemitah, on the other hand, emphasizes mainly that Hashem is now and always the master of the world. So Shabbos emphasizes how God created the world. The year of Shemitah emphasizes how Hashem is the master of the world. What a person does in the year of Shemitah has to highlight, has to express that there's nothing unique that belongs to him, nothing that's unique to him, nothing exclusive to him. Rather, everything is in the jurisdiction of the master of all. That's what the year of Shemitah emphasizes. In the year of Shemitah, the owner of the field stops being the owner of the field. As the Torah commands us, It says in the Torah, the land shall be, a, shall be Shabbos for you, for eating from its fruits, for you, for your servants. And Rashi explains, what, that, what does it mean the land should be Shabbos for you to eat? It says Rashi, does not mean it's forbidden for you to eat, doesn't mean it's forbidden for you to enjoy, rather, do not treat the land as the owner. Everyone has to be equal in the land, you cannot, um, you cannot exert your authority over the land, or you do not have any authority over the land, it's equal to everyone. And in the notes over here, the Rebbe mentions how the Tzemach Tzedek uses the expression, a person and the animal are equal. You have no ownership over the land more than the animal. You and the animal are equal, um, equally not the owners of the land. Everyone has equal rights to this land. In other words, the seventh year highlights, expresses the perspective that although God gave the land to people, He gave it to them for them to eat, He gave it to them for them, He gave it to them for them to enjoy. They have to always remember that the true master at all times is Hashem. As a Pasik says, a Pasik that we um, we just read in on Shoshana. We hear Rosh Hashanah actually three times, in the two nights of Rosh Hashanah, and in the morning of the second day of Rosh Hashanah. To Hashem belongs the earth and everything in it, the world and all its inhabitants. Everything belongs to Hashem. Um,
in the note, um, the Rebbe mentions like this. The Gemara says, the Gemara asks, asks a question um, about the, the ownership of the earth. It says in one Pasuk, um, Hashem gave the earth to man. Other Pasuk says, the world belongs to Hashem. So the Gemara answers that it depends before you say the bracha or after you say the bracha. That before you say a bracha, if you enjoy the world, if you, if you eat something, you enjoy something without saying a bracha, it's as if you're enjoying something that's in that, that was consecrated to God in the temple. So, the Gemara is very specific, and it says, um, the Gemara doesn't say, That through the bracha, um, it's it's yours. The Gemara says, doesn't say, oh, uh, he, when the Pasuk says the world belongs to God, it's without a bracha. When the Pasuk says the world belongs to people, it's through a bracha. The Gemara just says that um, you're not, it's not considered that you are benefiting from something consecrated to God, that you're violating a, a consecrated object when you say a bracha. It's not considered benefiting from, from a holy object. Why, why is the Gemara use a longer... Gemara should have said, after, the Gemara always is, tries to be very brief. Here is This verse is talking about before a bracha, this verse is talking about after a bracha. The Gemara just Gemara says, no, it's, Gemara uses more words. Gemara says, after you say a bracha, it's not considered like you are benefiting from a holy object. The reason Gemara uses that expression is because it's not yours even after the bracha. It, as we say whenever we eat, when the, in the Zimun, blessed is Hashem, who if we have eaten for what belongs to Him, it's still His. It's still, it doesn't become ours, even after a bracha. So although the Gemara says that the bracha makes us allowed to enjoy, by saying a bracha, we're allowed to enjoy, but that doesn't mean it becomes ours. It's, it's we're allowed to enjoy what belongs to Him, even after the Shei bracha, it's still not yours. Okay, so that's, that's the point of the midst. that's one of the, Ideas, it's highlighted by the Nitzvah Shemita that everything belongs to Hashem. Um, in order to strengthen and to emphasize this, um, this idea, this, this, this remembrance, in order that we should have this inculcated in our psyche, this should be part of us, in a way that it expresses itself practically, tangibly, in daily life, in order that this idea that Hashem is the owner of the world, what did God do? God made the year of Shemitah to be a Shabbos year. Um, that in this year, in this year you're not allowed to, you rest from all work of the field and all work of the vineyard. And the owners stop being owners. They have equal authority over the land as their servants. As so they as the medrash expresses it this way: His field is declared ownerless. His trees are declared ownerless. All of the gates are open. And he sees his fruits being eaten. And he's okay with that. By doing this, the Jew testifies that the true master of the world is Hashem. 
So If the God is a master of the world and every detail of the world, this idea, it's something that a Jew expresses every day of the year. We see this by the way we behave every day, that before we enjoy or eat anything, what do we do? do we say a bracha. We make a declaration. That God is a king of the world who creates everything. In the year of Shemitah, it's, it's, it's brought out sharper and clearer. But this is something that we do every, anyways every day. We, whatever we do, we, we don't enjoy until we say a bracha first. By, doing, by saying the bracha, we're highlighting it's not really ours. God is giving to us. Um, we're in the second page over here in the uh, first um, after the three dots page Chavches you see it in Neil? yeah by, by, by the three dots V'zu achas ha'yeroyes and this is the main one of the main lessons from Rosh Hashanah this year it's not enough to remember that God is the, the creator of the world it's also necessary necessary to remember the um, the conclusion that you should reach by realizing that God created the world. That is, that God is the forever the master of the world. He's always the master of the world. Not just the creator of the world, he's the master of the world. And this has to express in our behavior every single day of the year, although the laws of Shemitah do not apply outside of Israel, the content, the spiritual content, the lesson from these days does apply fully in all places. So that's the lesson we're supposed to take home, that, that Hashem is the master of the world. Um, in the note, it mentions, uh, this is something which is... Um, which is sweeter, which is something which is, which is, it, 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 we are able to appreciate this more by considering the teaching of Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov said that God creates the world every single second. In other words, not just that God created the world and therefore he is still the ma- master of it, but every moment God recreates the world out of nothingness. This perspective, that God is a true master of the world and all the details of the world. As expressed in the, in the year of Shemitah, it's expressed in a very blatant way in the mitzvah of Tzedakah. The mitzvah of Tzedakah is an all-encompassing mitzvah that is expected, it's asked from a Jew, and as Eb mentions the note over here, even a poor man who is fed from staka also has to give love. The Jew is commanded to take away from the money that he earned, that he worked for, to a poor person who did not work for it. He has to give the money to a Torah institution or to a charitable institution that takes care of the, of the uh, needs of the needy. Comes the year of Shemitah and gives us a unique approach. Next page to the midst of Tzedakah. Aleph, Number one, you're not giving what belongs to you. It's not yours. 
Rather, you're just giving what God deposited with you and made you an emissary to give to the poor person. It's not really yours. And base number two, by giving to others, you justify that you're able to keep the part that remains in your hands. I think that was referring to how, just like in the year of Shemitah, you're allowed to enjoy the field. It's not forbidden. It's not, it's not uh, forbidden to eat. The only thing it's required of you is that you should be an equal, uh, equally um, participating as your servants. So too, when you get stuck, I was saying, first of all, you have to know, like in your Shemitah, you are, it's not your field. So too, the money's not yours. And just like in your Shemitah, everyone can benefit from the field. So too, you can also benefit from your money, but realize, why can you benefit from your money? Because you gave it away to others. In other words, in the year of Shemitah, who is allowed to keep, the halacha says, you can keep your field as long as, you're allowed to enjoy the fruit of the field as long as you're keeping the law of the field. What's the law of the field? That everyone has a, has a share in it. So too, if you give away your money, then you're allowed to keep it because, because just like the year of Shemitah, you, you give away from your fields, then therefore you could also have a share in it. There's another letter that Rebbe brought this out a little differently um, and explained why this is true. There's an expression on Yom Yom. It says, um, the Chassidim used to say, the piece of bread that I have is yours like it's mine. And they would say it's yours before they would say it's mine. The piece of bread that I have, it's yours like it's mine. So Chassidim explains that what draws down God's kindness is our kindness. So why is it that the Chassidim would say it's yours before they said it's mine? Because what allows things to be mine is the fact that I'm kind. The fact that I'm kind, therefore, I, I, Hashem gives to me through my kindness. My giving you the bread is what makes the other part of the bread of mine. Here's another different twist in the same subject. Here's Rebbe saying that it doesn't belong to you. And what allows you to participate, in other words, when you have the perspective, it's not really yours, then, then, you're, then, then you have a share in it, then Hashem gives it to you. Hashem gives it to everyone. But if you hold it to yourself, Allah says, no, you, you, it's not your, you can't do that. You, you can't keep the, own ownership, the ownership of the field in your Shemitah. By giving it away, then you could also participate. So that's how stuck is supposed to be given. First of all, you're not giving away your own money. Number two, when you give away from your money, then you could, you could enjoy it too. Move me, It's self-understood that stuck is not limited to merely to money. Staka also applies to giving with your money, with your body, with your wisdom, with your soul. Staka ruchnis. Spiritual staka obligates every Jew to help another Jew who is poor in Torah and mitzvahs. No matter how precious his time is to him and his, and his capabilities are to him, he wants to use them to learn himself and to do his own mitzvahs. The Torah tells him, You cannot use your time and your capabilities as if you're the only master of them. Rather, you're obligated to divide your time and your efforts to spread the Torah's commandments among others who are poor in this arena. You are obligated to share your Torah mitzvahs with others. You can't say, oh, I, I'll learn myself, I'll use my, my strength that Hashem gave me for me, for my mitzvah, my Torah. The Yerushmita teaches us that you don't, own it, you don't own it. You're obligated to share it. You can also enjoy your own strength and your own learning, and as long as you, as long as you give to others, it's, it doesn't belong to you. 
This, this is also one of the fundamental messages and decisions that we're supposed to make in Yom Kippur in and Shuva and Tzvila and Staka. Just briefly, um, I'm sure you all have heard before the um, the way the Rebbe says we should translate the three highlighted words in the Machsar. The three words that get the most attention to the whole Machsar. Yesterday, we said that there are three things that can annul an evil decree. Tshuva, prayer, tshuva, tefillah, and staka. And it's translated in the Machsar as repentance, a prayer, and charity. And the Rebbe said that we hope that Hashem gave us a, uh, we're sure Hashem gave us a good year, or Shoshana, but good has no limits. And these three things can add to the good year. What are these three things? So they're actually the opposite of the way the Machsar translates them. Tshuva is translated as repentance. Repentance means that you're a bad person, and you change and you repent. But the word tshuva means to return, to come closer to your, to your inner self. When you, when you upgrade your behavior, you're not changing yourself. You're becoming your, more of yourself. Tefillah is translated as prayer. Prayer means that you're, you're here, and you're asking for something to be given to you. You're asking God to send something down from heaven. If you have everything, you don't need to pray. That's what prayer is about. But tefillah means to connect. Tefillah means that you're not just asking God to give you. It's that you want to pray. You want to daven because you want to connect. And staka, as we're learning here, the same point, that staka means not charity. Charity means that I am exceedingly kind, and therefore I give even though I don't have to. Staka means it's not mine to give. Staka means it's righteousness. Staka means it's correct. So that's what we say also in the Aftorah, of Yom Kippur, what is the fast that God desires? He desires a fast where we give of our bread to the hungry, and we see the naked and we clothe them. In addition to the simple translation of these words, our sages say this also refers to spiritual tzedakah. To nourish those who are hungry for spiritual food. Give them Torah. And to close with mitzvahs those who are naked from mitzvahs. So just like we're obligated to help those who are physically hungry and physically naked, so too we have an obligation to give spiritually to those who are spiritually hungry and spiritually naked. And we have a godly promise as we're going to read in Shemini Atzeres, give 10% and you will become wealthy. Aser, ta'aser, the word ta'aser um, is usually, the little translation is give a tenth of what you have, but it also means ta'asher, to become wealthy. That by giving 10%, that's how you become wealthy. By giving away to charity, to, to righteousness, to the way you're supposed to, what you're supposed to give it to. Not only does a giver not lose, on the contrary, he gets a lot more. Allah shares Mamash until he becomes actually very rich. And even though, in general, you're not supposed to do a mitzvah, even staka, to receive a reward, you're not supposed to do it for the sake of a reward. You're supposed to do it because Hashem, the Creator and the Master of the world, commanded us to do it. That's why you're supposed to do it. Nevertheless, God promises us that you will be wealthy, both physically and spiritually. Although that's not why you should do it, 
but but that's a promise of Hashem that you will be wealthy. Never concludes with the signature and the blessing that we should be sealed uh, for a good for a good year. So in short, what we learned today is a new approach to the giving of tzedakah, new approach to in general to our behavior in life that we that we learn from the idea of shemitah. That is that the world doesn't belong. Uh, our possessions don't really belong to us. Not only is God the creator of the world, but he's the master of the world. And therefore, when we give tzedakah, we're not giving of our own, we're giving what belongs to him. And because we give of our own, that's why we're allowed to enjoy it too. Just like in the year of Shemitah, when you make the, the field ownerless, you're also allowed to enjoy the field. And this, doesn't, and this doesn't only apply to giving of our financial resources, but it applies also to giving all of our resources I mean, I want to, and also, we learned, as we learned earlier, not just about giving, but also whatever we enjoy, whatever we eat, we, we have to realize it belongs to Hashem. We're eating from what belongs to Hashem. And therefore, we say a bracha before we, we enjoy anything. And therefore, uh, we have to give, and not just give our money, but also give our resources. We can't just say, I'm going to learn, I'm going to use my own, my own um, powers and energies that God gave me to myself. Rather, it's meant, Hashem gave them to us to, to uh, share with others. And we share with others, not only do we not lose anything, but, we, uh, but that's how we're blessed with wealth. As the Pasuk promises, Aser to Aser, that by giving, you'll be, you'll be wealthy. Um, another interesting thing that everyone's ever mentioned here, but there's a teaching from the Polish Tzadikim that um, the word um, Ta'aser if you take if you take a tenth of each of those four letters, which means of the words that means to give ten percent, if you take a ten percent of that letter, aser to aser, a tenth of the word to aser, a tenth of the tough of which is four hundred is a mem, which is forty. A tenth of the ayin, which is seventy, um, is is seven. A tenth of the shin, which is three hundred, is lamid, thirty. And a tenth of the reish, which is two hundred, is twenty, is chaf, mazolcha. Your good fortune. Your good fortune for you is through uh, giving to Tzedakah. L'chaim, l'chaim, l'chaim.